we are going to discuss the newest edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings today. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. I am Nick Zararis, joined by Hunter Hodes. Thank you for making today's this your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So, Hunter, for the first time this season, we've got the 1 through 32. We're, we're getting a snap, a, a drop-down view of what every other host on the Lockdown Network thinks of the NHL 1 through 32. The big thing that jumped out to me was just how heavily concentrated some of the, the, the best teams are. That, you know, the t- of the top 10, four in the Atlantic, three in the Pacific, that's, that's the bulk of your top 10. And then you've got Dallas and Colorado, who, you know, no surprises there. And then the Rangers, the one team in the Metro in the top 10. And it it just kind of surprised me because coming into the season, we all were kind of looking at the Atlantic, you know, as not being liable to take a step back. I mean, they had three, they had four teams make the playoffs last year. One of them, one team represented the East in the cup final, but it just kind of felt like the Metro was going to be the team. You know, the Penguins made their big move and they added Eric Carlson. The Hurricanes and Rangers made some tweaks. The Devils looked poised where we, we coming into the season, I would have assumed it would have been Devils, Carolina, Penguins, Rangers, if you had told me one team had four teams in the top 10. Right. That You took the words right out of my mouth, Nick. Excuse me. I thought, you know, when we would get these for the first time, one through 32, a lot of the top 10 or even the top 15, excuse me, would be the top three or four of the Metro teams. But you've seen Carolina struggle to really get going this year. New Jersey has battled injuries quite a bit. I mean, you have the Devils at 16th right now. Carolina's just outside the top 10, but they still haven't been as good as I thought they would be. The Rangers, they've been obviously amazing. I did not think they would be this good to start the year. But, and Nick, I know you and a lot of other Rangers fans probably did not expect this either. But, you know, you have Boston, who, of course, has blown everyone's expectations away again. Vegas, LA, I think LA specifically, I knew they would be good. I didn't think they would be this good because I was a bit scared of their goaltending situation. Colorado, Dallas, very good, obviously. Vancouver is very surprising as well, considering you know their power play percentage, their goaltending they've been getting, and just the scoring overall that they've been getting. But overall, I, I am still very surprised at the lack of Metro teams in the top 10 for the first time. And that just goes to show how good these other teams have been. Again, we already talked about the Devils. They've been really banged up so far this season. The Hurricanes, they haven't been playing Ron Brindamore-style hockey yet. That hasn't come to fruition. It, it may into January, February, March, once the playoffs start to get a little closer. I think they're going to wake up a little bit. Rangers, as we've already talked about, are up there. But the Penguins, people like to say how it's some of their core players. It's not. They just have a bottom six that can't score. They have the worst power play, I think, in the Crosby Malkin era, and they have a defenseman that they miss an eval on over the offseason. That's not Eric Carlson, it's Ryan Graves. So when you have all those teams in the Metro struggle, you have the Islanders too. This is also this is kind of what you get with the Metro, where you had all these expectations heading into the year, and they just haven't met because some of these teams just haven't played up to that level yet. And these other divisions, you know, the Atlantic, we all knew 
I mean, I thought Toronto was going to be in the running for the top seed. That hasn't come to fruition yet. I did not expect Boston to be up there. Florida, I expected to be very good. I had them as a top three team in the Atlantic. But, you know, who saw that? Who saw this coming, excuse me, with the Atlantic being deeper and perhaps better than the Metro this season? Yeah, no, it's it's weird because typically speaking, the Atlantic has had the higher end team. The team that's, you know, pu- pushed for the president's trophy has typically come from that division because they've been able, able to beat up on the bottom half of that division the last couple of years, whether it be Buffalo, Montreal, Ottawa. That you, you get when you get to play those right. teams five, six times in a season, it's a lot easier to juice your point totals when you're getting that type of advantage. And in this case, it's a little bit different right now. And as you look through the power rankings, and if you're watching on YouTube, I have them over to my right. That's why I'm glancing away, not to be rude. But you go into that middle grouping, Carolina, Arizona, Winnipeg, Washington, the Islanders, Devils, the Blues, the Lightning, the Flyers, Penguins, Flames, Predators, Oilers, all the way through from 10 to 27, 28 even, we're not that far apart when you go and look at the actual standings points. Like, you it's know, a lot of parody about- in there, I think. We're this. Well, is it parody or are these teams not good? That that that's the that's the yeah. age old question. You know, the NHL says there's a lot of parody, or does that mean there's just not a lot of good teams? I think there's an argument right now that there's just a lot of mediocre teams. Uh, one thing I was I wrote down something I found interesting. Six standing points separate 11th from 21st. So six standing points separate the Calgary Flames from the Carolina Hurricanes. And I went and looked at trying to find what stat is the best indicator of team success. And I don't think it's scoring chances because we've got five teams in the top 10 of scoring chances that aren't in playoff spots right now. The Devils, the Oilers, the Flames, Penguins, Kraken, and Blue Jackets. It might not be expected goals because there's four teams in there. That's the Oilers, the Devils, the Penguins, the Predators, and the Islanders. And it might not be high danger chances either because Edmonton, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, Nashville, New Jersey. We might be a little too early in the season where we have enough data to kind of discern out who's actually good and who's not. But I think if you're a Penguins fan, an Oilers fan, a Devils fan, I think you can take those underlying results as either a sign that you're due for some positive regression and eventually you're going to start playing better or B you're in for the season from hell. It's, it's really one of those two things where every year, typically speaking of the 16 teams that make the playoffs, about three or four that are up in the top 10 of those categories, goals, chances, expected goals, et cetera. They're about four of those 16 don't make the playoffs. Last year, Pittsburgh was one of those teams that didn't, that had good numbers, but didn't make the playoffs. It happens. But generally speaking, if you're in that top 12 to 10 of those statistical categories, more likely than not, you're a playoff team. So that's typically how I'm gauging the teams that are struggling right now, the teams like Pittsburgh, the devils that they clearly have talent, but something is not clicking for them all around. And it's funny you say that Nick, because the same thing is happening right now with the penguins. They're just a mediocre team that, yeah, you said they are top five, top 10 in expected goals, actual goals, high danger chances, scoring chances, shot attempts, all that good stuff. And I will even put goaltending in there right now. If you look at their all situation, save percentage, they have a 917 all situation from Tristan Jari and Alex Delkovich. Nobody saw that coming heading into this year. Yet, Nick, they are what now? 11 and 10 and 3 on the season, if I ha- if I have that right. 11, 11 and 3, excuse me, on the season. They have all these other issues, but yet they still should have the makings of a good team. You can throw the Oilers in there too. And yeah, they've been turning around a little bit ever since the coaching change. Connor McDavid has 
figured out that, yeah, he's still the best player in the world. I mean, he was before the coaching change, but he's obviously been good. But their numbers have started at least to turn around, but they still have a long way to go. The Devils have been banged up, but, you know, even their top players when healthy this season haven't been, I would say, as good. Tino Meyer is an interesting conversation because he's really struggled to get acclimated. And because he was good last year down the stretch run for them. He was making an impact this year. He's been, I don't want to say a negative because he's still a very talented hockey player, but it just hasn't worked for whatever reason. Right. No, I I agree. And even, I know he wasn't doing as much in the playoffs for the devils at the start, but he was still getting the chances, getting the shots. They just weren't going in the net. And that happens in hockey quite a bit. You know, you'll ride the highs of your shooting percentage and then you'll ride the lows of it too. This year, he's just struggling, I think, to put it all together overall. But yeah, it is funny when you bring up those top 12, top 16 teams that make the playoffs. And then when you look at the team, some of the teams that missed that were probably a bit better than their record shows. It's funny seeing the results from, I guess, on a year to year basis overall, because again, like I said, like the same thing is happening with the Penguins and, you know, everyone wants to, you know, to send the coach out, which, you know, I maybe wouldn't argue that right now, considering the Penguins aren't getting enough out of their, you know, the bottom of their lineup. Sometimes a star struggle, but that just happens sometimes. And then for the Oilers, the way they started the season, it was so bad that they really have to keep playing catch up, to be honest. So, I mean, th- this race for the rest of the year, it's going to be really fascinating to see, you know, if some of these teams that started slow and have continued to start slow, you know, like the Oilers, like the Penguins, like even the Devils right now, for example, can they fully get back into the race, into playoff spots by the end of the year with underlyings that are pretty solid? We will continue this conversation. We're going to transition a little bit more into goaltending next. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk a minute for about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if a loved one got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from getting medical attention they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and many others. This stuff can happen to anyone. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. And welcome back to this episode of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. We are discussing the first edition where we have all team, all 32 teams ranked 1 through 32. One, I don't want to say topic, but the big conversation we have every offseason what we can do about understanding goaltending because for the most part it is so situation dependent and so difficult to kind of understand who's actually good at the position I mean frankly speaking if you don't have one of Shesterkin, Sorokin, UC Saros, Andre Vasilevsky, Connor Hellebuck I mean if you want to throw Jake Ottinger in there sure but, you know, we're talking about seven, eight guys at a position at, at, at of 32. And, you know, you still need backups on top of those 32 starters. They're, they're just 
there's not a lot of consistency. And the conversation is very reminiscent of what we have in the NFL, where it's there's 32 quarterbacks, but only about eight are good and only four or five are elite. It's really hard when you don't have one of those elite guys to be competitive. So a lot of teams are just they're beholden to who they can get on the goalie carousel. When we were talking before about divisions and, you know, who's been a little surprising, you mentioned LA. I mean, Tim Talbot looked done. He looked yes. absolutely done last year in Ottawa. And he's, I want to say seventh or eighth in goal saved above expected. Not yeah, He's eighth in goal saved above expected. Charlie Lindgren is 10th in goal saved above expected. Somebody who's been a career backup his and Nick, he, entire he's life. One of the main reasons why the Capitals are where they are this year. Alex Ovechkin, I don't, I'm not going to say he's looked cooked for the Capitals. He's still been fine, but he hasn't been nearly as good. He's as not, effective. He's not nearly year. as effective. No. And Nicholas Backstrom's hurt. Oshie's been out. Kuznetsov's been a healthy scratch for them. He's been Spencer Carberry's doghouse, excuse me. And yet they're still on track right now, at least, to potentially be a playoff team. And a lot of that is because of their goaltending. Heck, Darcy Kemper, he hasn't even been that good after signing that massive contract with them last year after winning the cup in Arizona, Jesus, in Colorado, excuse me. It's been lingering. He's been amazing for the Capitals this year. Oh, absolutely. And this brings me some to some of the things I pulled. So we talk about how the NHL is becoming more offensive centric. Well, but the numbers support that as well. So right now, the league average save percentage is 899. Five years ago, the season the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup, league average goaltending in all situations was 905. So that tells you that six per, 0.006 does not sound like a significant change. But when we're talking about hundreds of goals over the course of an entire season that percentage is you know 40 50 60 goals over the course of an entire season so that is significantly more you're going to ask me where is that offense coming from teams are getting about half of more power plays per game right now teams are getting 3.3 power plays per game five years ago it was 2.9 again that doesn't sound like a big change half of a power play over the course of five years that's probably one more, that's one more power play every other game that teams mm. are getting on average. So one more power play opportunity and power play conversion rate is up as well, about 1%. So all of that tells you, all of that tells you the environment is more conducive to offense, that it is going to be harder than ever to get just average goaltending and that the standard of what average goaltending is, is going to decrease. I know we talked about this last week that when you and I first started doing hockey content, that PDO was 91%, 9-10 save percentage, 9% shooting. Now it's 9, 9%, excuse me, now it's 90% save percentage, 10% shooting. We have seen about a 1% change mm. over the course of the last 10 years. And that just goes to show you that the game is trending towards offense because the teams are getting more power plays opportunities. The average NHL player is better, frankly, than they were 10 years Absolutely. ago. And all of these environmental factors, and on top of all of that, the game is played at a faster pace. Because teams are going up and down more, there are just more total scoring chances overall, which means you're more likely to score. So all of this is working against teams that want to win with goaltending and with defense. And it's why it's so hard to get consistent goaltending on top of, you know, the fact that it's so situational dependent. I mean, I've always been a firm believer that, I mean, especially for the team I cover, the Penguins or a lot of contending teams out there, I feel like all you really need is at least just average goaltending. And you can go pretty far if you have a good team around that goalie, whether you're strong at forward, you have a deep defensive group. That's really, I think, all you, all you need, excuse me. Now, 
could you obviously want a Vesna caliber goaltender? Absolutely. I would love to have one of those, but they're so few and far between that they're hard to get them, which is why outside, I think of paying, you know, five, six, seven guys league wide, I wouldn't give another goalie a big contract. That's why I was against, for example, the Tristan Jari contract with the Penguins this offseason. They gave him five years, almost 5.5 million. That's too much for someone who has had, you know, good results at times, but a lot of just middling results. Now, this year, he has mostly been good, sprinkled in with a few mass starts, but I still don't really like the contract overall because it's for a long time and it's for a lot of money, and that can go down at any time just because this position is so, like, let's say it's voodoo. That's what it is. I feel like goaltending is voodoo in this league. And it's the same argument I kind of made with Darcy Kemper when the Capitals signed him because he was fine for Colorado, but was he worth, I don't know, $5 million for five years? Probably not, but that's what winning a Stanley Cup can get you, I think, in this league. When you look at the NHL now compared to 10, 12 years ago, there's a lot more skill. There has never been more talent in the league than there is right now, I think, in my opinion, with the amount of star players that are in the league, with the amount of really good depth players that are in the league compared to a decade ago, even 2013, there's a lot more skill in the league right now. And not, and you're seeing why with the increase in offense and, you know, it's, you're getting a few, at least, you know, as you said, half a power play more per game, the refs are calling a little bit more. That goes down maybe a little bit in the playoffs. But that said, with this discussion here, you still need good goaltending if you want to go on a deep run in the playoffs. You can get by at times with average, but overall, all, I feel like one of the biggest things you need, if not the biggest thing a team needs in the playoffs, a hot goalie. That can change everything for him. We've seen it time after time over the last 10 years when a goalie gets hot and boom, that carries you to a series win or two or three or even, you know, it, we just saw it last year, Nick. Sergei Bobrovsky, he was absolutely terrible in the regular season. He comes into the playoffs, plays his absolute tail off. But you also have some of the other great goalies I'm not saying Sergei Borovsky is great. He just had a really good playoff. But you have the other side of the coin is you have great goalies like a Shostorkin, like a Sorokin, like a Vasilevsky, who can turn in really good regular seasons and then they even turn it up another notch in the playoffs. That's what I also feel like you know a team needs if they want to have success. So it's part of it. And right now with the top teams in the league, for example, Boston, they have a combined team save percentage of 923. That's going to take you a lot of places. LA, their combined team save percentage is 914. Arizona is 911. Heck, who saw, for example, Connor Ingram coming with 12.2 goals saved above expected? That's second in the league this year for a goalie that, let's face it, did, did a casual fan really know who he was heading into this year? No, I, I don't think so. But he's been one of the best goalies in the league. You even go outside of that a little bit. Thatcher Demko has been amazing. We already touched on Swayman and Lindgren. Jordan Bennington has turned back the clock. He's sixth in goal state above expected with 10. Who saw that coming after the year he had last year and after the contract he signed? It just it, This can change on a fly, but with goaltending, it can mask a lot of your team's problems, but it can also really set you foundationally for success for a whole season and into the playoffs. Absolutely. And one last thing on this topic before we move on, it's exactly the same language as when we're talking about quarterbacks. I mean, do, do you really want to pay Derek Carr 
38 million dollars a year no. that's the football that's the football equivalent of giving you know darcy kemper five six million dollars teams would rather have that like middle of the pack mediocre average game manager quarterback or slightly above average goalie than rolling the dice on somebody like you know a pj walker or i'm trying to think who's like the lowest average goalie i could think of uh, someone like philip gustafson who has shown you a flash or two in the past but do you really want to pay more based on what could right. be as opposed to what you know you're going to get that's really the that's the conundrum that a lot of these it's also why i didn't support what ottawa did when they signed Jonas corpusalo to that massive contract over the offseason yeah i'm sure he was fine with la but did you really think that was probably going to translate over to a team that's not as good defensively and ottawa has a lot of problems let's be real but i just wasn't a fan of that contract i thought it was just too many years and too much term for someone who has had also middling results throughout his career but go, keep going sorry no, you're fine. You're fine. But we are going to take a quick break because we have got to talk about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the playoff race is getting hot. We've got the Steelers in primetime tonight, which is terrible. But right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hello, and thank you, thank you for so much for listening to today's episode. I'm sorry if you are going to watch the Steelers play the Patriots tonight. That is going to be an atrocity to the sport of football. But It is going to be a 4-2 final, three safeties in this game. No one is scoring a touchdown. I don't even know if anyone's going to score a field goal. I don't want to watch Mitch Trubisky throw two picks to the Patriots events, and also don't want to watch Bailey Zapp throw probably the same amount of picks and probably for 50 yards. This is going to be a joke of a game and i i hope it i hope there is a driving rainstorm and 55 mile an hour winds i want a zero zero tie it'll be cold this- here tonight that's for sure in this wonderful city but the fo- the the brand of football that you will see tonight is going to be bad i feel awful for anyone that is going to this game oh it's disgusting it's a disgusting time of year for the nfl but one of the topics we've we really try to understand and analyze we really try and understand who's actually good and who's kind of making it up. You know, the person who goes to lecture once a month and turns in the homework every now and then we're trying to see who in the NHL is that guy who is actually good versus who's making it up as they go along. And it's, we're just getting to the point now where we have enough data to kind of get a good glean on that, to kind of understand who's actually good and who's not like, if you pulled my arm and you said, are the Oilers actually good? I would tell you their record would say no, and their defense is awful. But I still think the Oilers are going to end up being a playoff team just because they have too much talent and the underlying results are too good. Then you ask me, do you think the Flyers are actually good? And it's the complete inverse. The, re- you're re- the record they have would tell you, yeah, the Flyers are a competitive team. They're in a lot of games. But I don't actually think the Flyers are good. I, I think the Flyers are making it up as they go along and they're in a lot of these games. That's really the conversation we have to have at this time of year where we're not quite at the cutoff point yet. Like if you're anywhere between 12 and like 27, 
you're still in the mix. Like, like right. if you pull up, I'll, I'll pull the power rankings back up again real quick. If you're even the the Wild or the Kraken, even the Ducks, you're not really that far out of it. Your record, you're not that far out of it, is what I'm saying. You're not, you don't need that much to go right to get right back into the mix. I'm not saying to make the playoffs, but to be back in the conversation where you get to be in the graphic where it's you're in the cutoff you're not out of it yet. There's only like three teams that are entirely out of it at this point in the season. They got to go on like a nice long winning streak. They started out the season really hot. They were a nice surprise to the season, but they've lost nine of the last 10 games. They're 10 and 15 overall. They're going to have to really climb back into this overall, but no, your, your point does still stand. You know, you, you look at that graphic here with the power rankings. I mean, the Oilers have shot up like a cannon. They've won five in a row. And Nick, they're two points out of fourth in their division behind yeah. the flames. That's that's all it can take. A five-game winning streak. That's all it can take to really get back in the race. If they win their next game, they just they crushed Carolina before we recorded this. They'll be tied for fourth in the Pacific and they might make the playoffs even after they had a disaster of a season. The cutoff point for me is usually around New Year's. That's how I feel like I've always seen it. I've seen coaches fired in mid-December or even honestly after the new year. And teams have gone gone on to go on runs. December is usually more likely. After New Year's, it's not as likely. But you still have seen it at least a couple of times over the last 10 years. But this is still usually the time where you want to you know, start getting back into the race, playing yourself into a playoff spot, and then staying in a playoff spot for a while. You even look at the Metropolitan Division, for example, Nick, with, with how close this is. From Carolina down to Pittsburgh, Second to seventh is separated by four points. Yeah. That's nothing. That's for the Penguins, for example, a five game winning streak puts them into, into second. And that's if Carolina doesn't win games. That's all it takes sometimes for a team that's struggling to go up in the division. We already talked about the Oilers there too. You have the Wild. They've at least been playing better since they fired Dean Evison for John Hines. Sometimes that's all it takes, again, for a winning streak to happen because you're playing for a new guy. I, I think it's too early to write out some of the teams that are outside the playoff race right now, but let's wait, you know, a few weeks. Let's get to New Year's. Let's get into January to see where these teams are. Then I think we can definitely have, you know, an even deeper conversation where it's like, okay, maybe it's not going to be the, the year. It's time to maybe start selling. And this is also a reason why teams just don't start making trades yet because they're not trying to give up on the season. You usually, I think, start to see that big one. Was it Nick? January. Yeah. February. Obviously, you see a lot of action in March because that's when the deadline usually is every year. But teams that know they're out of it, sometimes you see a trade by January or February. I mean, that's when we saw the big Bell Horvat trade last year with the Vancouver Canucks. We're like, okay, we're probably not going to be doing anything this year, even though they, of course, they hired Rick Tockett. But they knew it. I think they felt like they weren't going to be making a move for a playoff spot at that point. It's complicated because we want answers we want to know yeah. we want to be able to discern this but what you just said ties back to the point i made in the opening segment are these teams actually all this competitive or are this there this many bad teams because i mean if we're talking about it big picture wise like championship caliber or can get to the championship level eight teams nine teams like i don't think detroit's capable of winning a Stanley Cup. I don't know if Carolina's capable of winning a Stanley Cup. I think of that top 10, I think the Rangers, the Bruins, Vegas, LA, Colorado, Dallas. I don't think Vancouver is. Florida, maybe. 
if the Denver Oilers, keeps going for the Canucks and they keep riding that PDO wave, they, they may go deep. I'll, I'll say that. They've been fun to watch. I don't know if they can beat Vegas in a seven-game series, though. That's going to be the tough test. That And see, this is what we get into of how do we determine who's actually good and who's kind of getting, you know, I'm not going to say lucky because you do have to go out and actually still win. Right. It's one thing to get good bounces, but you still have to put them in the net. You still have to beat the teams you're playing. That's why I don't begrudge the teams riding the PDO high because, you know, it, it does require you to be good at some point. You know, if a team gets lucky over and over and over and over and over again, they're just good. You know, you can have a good team to be a good team, to be an elite team. It requires a level of luck, but good teams can make their own luck by getting good process over and over and over again. That's really the, that's really the cutoff point in this conversation in my mind is I think it's one thing to say this team is getting the benefit of the luck from PDO, but how are they getting it? Do they have one of the elite goalies? Do they have a Shesterkin? Or do they have five or six guys who can shoot, you know, 13, 14, 15%? That, that's really the – that's – so when we talk about PDO, there, there's more levels to it than just the team-wide. Because right. you got to think, how are they getting that number? It's not just they have a number. Well, what are they doing to get it? Do they have a crazy team shooting percentage? Yes. Okay. Is this the case like Ryan Hartman scoring 35 goals two years ago out of nowhere? Or is this the case of, you know, Nikita Kucherov going from 12% to 14%? You know, an elite player having a better season than they've had the last couple of years. That's what makes this conversation interesting. Right. And just speaking about a Canucks perspective, I mean, Brock Besser, I felt like he can do anything right last year. 18 goals, 30 points in 26 games. You have JT Miller. He's all on a massive contract. 14 goals, 39 points in 26 games. Quinn Hughes has played like the best defenseman on the planet. In my opinion, should be the favorite for the Norris right now. He has nine goals and 36 points. Elias Pettersson, 10 goals, 34 points, 26 games. Their star players are playing like their star players, and especially in Besser's case. And that's part of the reason why the Canucks are where they are right now. Now, I don't know if they can win the Stanley Cup this year, but they're playing at least well enough to be in that conversation. You discussed Florida, Detroit. I think they can make the playoffs, but how deep can they go? I'm still not fully sure. The Maple Leafs are still figuring some things out as well. You go down that list a little bit. I mean, Carolina, if they wake up and maybe add another score at the trade deadline, I, I think they could, but I don't think they have that true game-breaking player yet. I mean, Ajo is great. Stachnikov is awesome. Seth Jarvis, we can go down the list, but I don't think any of those guys are game breakers. But then, you know, you get into the other middling teams. You, know, you discuss the Flyers next. They use the term rebuild entering the season. Now, I don't think any of us or anyone out there expected the Flyers to actually be competitive like this this season, but this is the perfect John Tortorella team that he can get the most out of. Is it a bit boring hockey? Sure, but it's winning them games. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case for later on this season, maybe into February, March, when they're probably a bit out of it. But they're at least giving their fans something to cheer about. Now, you have some other teams in the mix there that I think are playing a bit better than expected too. Arizona, they could make the playoffs this year. I mean, they've getting great goaltending. Their star players are playing well, and their depth players are playing good too. It's actually nice seeing Arizona be competitive for once, honestly, just because we all know what that franchise has gone through for quite a long time. We've already discussed Washington, you know, Winnipeg. They're getting results. I don't think... That's been talked about enough because I wasn't really high on Winnipeg heading this year, but I don't think they're a cup contender or anything. I think they can maybe win around. But, you know, teams in terms of teams that I think can win the cup and are, I guess, favorites, Rangers, the Bruins, Vegas for back-to-back, 
Colorado, Dallas, LA, and I would probably put Florida in there too. If they can get the goaltending they got last year, and if Kachuk can play like Superman, plus they get contributions from obviously Barkov and all those guys, I think they can make another run to the cup as well. But I would put those seven to eight teams as my favorites right now. Everyone else, we will have to see, I think, as the season goes on. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts or over on YouTube. We will talk to you guys next week. See you guys then.